This is Maddie Rowley, and Alex Gutentag will be joining us soon for public. Uh, we're joined today by Bethany Mandel. Bethany is a freelance journalist and co-author of Stolen Youth, How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation, alongside Carol Markowitz. In Stolen Youth, Mandel and Markowitz outline how American children are being indoctrinated with radical left-wing ideology and how education, medicine, entertainment, news, and other industries have been politically captured. Bethany, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. And I want to just lodge my complaint formally that this is not on video because I'm having the best hair day (laughs) I have had in years. Oh my gosh. It does look amazing. I'm so sorry. I I totally get it. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. Totally get it. Um, So yeah, we'll just go ahead and launch in. Um, Why did you feel that it was important to write this book? Why now? Yeah. So Carol and I had been thinking about writing a book together for a long time. And we had sort of been thinking about it in 2018, 2019. And the original title of our book was Get Your Village Off My Children. Um, We saw sort of how society and really it was like sort of the radical left was um, trying to intervene in parenting decisions um, in a myriad of ways that honestly right now look um, like, oh, bless your heart. You thought that was bad. Um, and, and we were like, get your village off my children, sort of like playing off that famous Hillary Clinton line. Um, and then COVID hit and we were sort of talking to our agent and we said like, you know, we just want people to calm down. Like we just need people to like chill out, let parents do their thing. And he said, and he of course was right. No one wants to be told to chill out right now. No one wants to be told to just like lay off kids because everyone was so, so hyper sort of paranoid about children right at the very beginning of 2020, uh, which is really when we were talking to him and we had just finalized this like massive book proposal, of course, that we never even shopped. So um, so then over the course of COVID, Carol and I, um, we've been friends for, I think, like 15 years. I think I just had like a one of those Facebook memories pop up of a picture of her and I together. Um, and so we've been thinking about writing something for a while um, in part because we're very similar, ide- like sort of ideologically, uh, like we're good friends. And we were on the same path with COVID. In the beginning, her and I were very paranoid and very conscientious about, you know, making sure that we had a, a medicine cabinet full of medication. And um, she pulled her kids out of public school before the New York City public schools closed. And, um, and then right around the same time, I would say like April or May of 2020, both of us were kind of like, I don't know if we should still be doing this. I don't know if this is a good idea. And we were sort of seeing not just the impact on our children, um, because our kids were actually got through COVID remarkably well, but, um, her and I both came from backgrounds that we reflected on the fact that if COVID had happened when we were kids, we just would have been in such a bad position. I was a single, I was uh, an only child of a single mother. Uh, if COVID had happened when I was a kid, uh, I never would have left my house. I would have never logged on Zoom. I just would have become like a total recluse, which is what I did on, during summers when I was a kid. Like I became nocturnal and never left my house. Um, and it was not very healthy. Um, Carol is an immigrant. And, um, you know, her parents worked so hard to achieve the American dream and had she sort of been abandoned by the public school system, I mean, that would have been a horror story as well. So we were both kind of um, talking from our positions of privilege. And, and you know, we don't talk about privilege anymore. No one says check your privilege anymore. But we were talking not about our positions of privilege, but about 
sort of the kids who didn't have it. And, um, and we were very loud and very outspoken. And so when we circled back to the book proposal and what we wanted it to be, we said like, you know, COVID was, uh, was a really transformative moment. And, um, you know, it turns out that the left not only doesn't care about kids, but is willing to use kids as a cudgel against whomever they want in order to achieve their ideological goals. And uh, it really accelerated sort of the the politicization of childhood um, in a way to turn children into activists. And they were only useful as far as that. Um, and, you know, the interest in their well-being just wasn't there ever, not with COVID and not after. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, you bringing up COVID, um, you know, I sometimes still see little kids around wearing masks and it's mm-hmm. almost like this notion uh, hasn't has not left our society. I still people where, you know, see people around wearing masks all the time. Um, And I I remember just all the chaos happening um, back in 2020, but it seems like I, it seems like it's, it got stronger. The movement got stronger during COVID and then has, has not really stopped. Like that momentum has of wokeism, as you talk about in the book has, has continued on. Um, So can you talk a little bit about how wokeness is spreading throughout schools? Where does it start and, and how does it start? I mean, I know, and again, in the book, you talk about, well, this begins at, at universities where teachers are trained in mm-hmm. education, yeah. starts at the university level. Um, and then, you know, they become teachers and they all of a sudden, these teachers end up at public schools and sort of spread the doctrine. But what yeah. about the school boards? Like, what is their level? Uh, what is their role in all of this? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's hard to pin down exactly what this ideology is and how it is reflected in thinking. And so what, um, how I would say like sort of where this starts and how this starts, um, is really insidious. It's, and, and it might be that those who are responsible for sort of perpetualizing this ideology might not necessarily be aware that that's what they're doing. It's just sort of the default of this is their worldview and this is how they're, this is how they're spreading it. And so, I mean, I would say if I were to put a start point on it, um, you know, toddlerhood, uh, if you go into a local library right now or into a daycare, often not all daycares, but a lot of daycares, um, especially the corporate ones, because people don't realize like, when you talk about daycare, there's so many different things that could be a daycare. It could be my literal next door neighbor who has like baby toys in her house that I drop my toddler off at sometimes, or it could be a totally corporate corporatized situation. The latter, um, they have DEI protocols the same way that a bank might have. Um, and so they're reading, uh, you know, Jacob's new dress with kids and they're reading bye bye binary board book with kids. And it doesn't, if you read these board books, they're actually incredibly poorly done. And I don't think that kids are really getting that much out of it. Like the writing is really bad, but the things that do seep in are um, there's a a very famous YouTube personality um, who I would call like our kids generations, Mr. Rogers. And her Mm -hmm. name is Miss Rachel. Yes. And she has a uh, she's a cast member who is, I guess, non-binary is what 
I would classify her as. She goes by they, them pronouns. She wears a chest binder. She introduces stuffed animals with they, them pronouns. Um, and that's, that is, that is impactful. Um, that teaches children that, you know, pronouns are fluid and uh, sexuality and, and all of those things are fluid. Gender is fluid, whatever you wanted to say. Um, and and that that is where it really has an imprint. Um, I have friends who I think I think it was their second grader. Um, they start doing sort of health programming about you know this is your body, and you want to get ahead of the curve. You want to start sort of talking to kids about sexuality and their changing bodies before their bodies start changing, so they're not like oh my god what's going on. Um, so they start having you know health programming around that age. And, um, and the programming is much more sexually explicit than a lot of parents realize. Uh, they talk about, um, you know, I, I always try when I record a podcast to make it kid friendly, cause this is how I listen to podcasts with my own children, but they, they, they teach even second and third graders how to pleasure themselves in the best way possible, in the most enjoyable way possible. And so, um, you know, this idea of in introducing sexuality and hypersexualizing even an informative class for a second grader this is sort of how that ideology starts even at the youngest ages um but again like it's insidious and uh if you open a book a children's book that was written in the last five years um it's and i've i've my focus is on children's books professionally and personally and it's remarkable how often this ideology gender especially um, pops up even in, you know, a middle grade book uh, where it, it was never advertised. So like all of a sudden, like the older, I'm, t- I'm thinking about like a specific book. I don't remember the name, but it was a multi-award winner. It was like the best book of the year that year, just a couple of years ago. The big sister had a bisexual relationship. And so there was like this sort of side couple pages where the you, they talked about the teenage sister having a, a girlfriend. And you're like, was that necessary? And it wasn't. And they just they felt like they had to include it in order to um, in order to fit that that checkbox. It's so interesting that you mentioned that. Um, I know before we we started talking, I, w- I was telling you I have a 19 month old and I took her to Barnes and Noble a couple of weeks ago just to look for some new board books. And uh, mm-hmm. there was a book, you know, my eye immediately went to there's a book about if you're if you're like dad is in the military, your mom is in the military. So I was kind of like looking at those books and right next to it was the pro, the pronoun book. Yeah. It was the pronoun book. And then it was like, my dad, my mom is a soldier or something along those lines. Yeah. And I, I opened up the pronoun book and it's just like, I, I, why? I don't understand why this is a board book. I don't understand why this is in this section. My 19 month old would be like, what like where are the animals like i just feel like yes. it, it 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 it's unnecessary and it just made no sense to me um and alex feel free to jump in at any point i know you just jumped on um and i want to really quickly say that bethany um she went over talking about how uh you know covid impacted schools uh and and kids in school which is and it, like alex's like right. beautiful work at tablet has like i'm whenever i read her work at tablet i find myself doing a standing ovation (laughs) yeah so we we talked about that for a little bit um oh wait um i i'm i'm looking at i i i thought that i had had that book saved um i have a different book called being you that someone sent me pictures of 
and it's it's a board book also written for kids um and it's just the the language is also just so it's so bad and it's so uh, it's so confusing for kids right Uh, it's okay to wonder i'm gonna quote it it's okay to wonder am i a boy or am i a girl am i both am i neither maybe you already know there's no right or wrong answer and it's okay if your answer changes so this also like sort of talking about how this ideology impacts young kids um this idea and it's pervasive in a lot of aspects of sort of our society right now that um everything is everything can be changed there is no right or wrong and it, it kind of if you look back at sort of our generation there's like that that trophy what was it the the participation trophy that was what the olds always used to sort of warn us and we're like oh the participation trophy generation and the participation trophy generation this is like the next step like there is no right or wrong answer even if sally says she's a boy there's no wrong answer right and that's the whole it kind of goes along with i see a lot of people say like well this is my truth my truth right and it's like yes. well, what about the truth uh the truth so yeah. um so, you know, along those lines, and can you talk a little bit about DEI? You know, what the specific example that I couldn't believe from Stolen Youth, you wrote about how in Montgomery County, you gave a couple examples, um, but you wrote about how in Montgomery County, they paid $450,000 for the Mid-Atlantic Equity Consortium to conduct an anti-racism yeah. audit. And I just feel like that four hundred k could have been used in so many more ways. I mean, I'm not an educator, but that could benefit yeah. kids well, as a Montgomery, whole. Montgomery. So that's where I live. And so I sort of have a finger on the pulse of the insanity of this county. But um, I, I just on a listserv two days ago, uh, a mom said um, we were hoping to use the MCPS, Montgomery County Public Schools, free tutoring over the summer to shore up our rising third graders reading skills. But it looks like the program ended at the end of May. So, you know, like all the things that they could have done with that kind of cash they are not doing anymore. Um, But yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's funny because, and it's not funny. It's, you know, darkly, awfully funny. Um, If you look at test scores uh, all across the County, they are scary bad. Um, Where I live, uh, the local elementary school, third graders, speaking of third graders, uh, the, uh, I think it was 5% of third graders were reading on grade level and 3% were doing math on grade level. Maybe it was vice versa, but it was three and five, whatever it was back and forth. Um, but if you, if you take a look at the professional development content that Montgomery County public schools teachers are talking about on social media, on Twitter, um, you will see that all of the, all of the professional development that they're doing is related to LGBT stuff. That's, that's the workshops they're doing. Um, and there's no, I mean, I always compare, you know, what, if we had flight schools putting out pilots who were as effective as public school teachers and planes were dropping out of the sky, no one would fly. Right. So where is the, and there's just, there is no urgency when it comes to people who work in MCPS um, you know, that I'm talking about like locally because I really have my eye on on those accounts. Mm-hmm. There is no urgency. There is no like ripping the hair out, 
oh my God, there's something deeply wrong. We have to fix this. They're canceling these tutoring programs. And instead, everything that I'm seeing on their accounts about like summer PD and like workshops, everything, almost everything is about LGBT. Maybe that's because it's June, but I can tell you, I, I see it, you know, it's starting in January all through to December, but and maybe that's just what they're most proud of. And so that's what they post most frequently, but they post it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just along with what you were saying about test scores, Bethany, um, I, I was, I'm going back to these numbers here. I don't know if you saw yeah. the article that came out about the um, national report card scores. Um, yep. Basically. It's every yeah. single day. Yeah. Every yeah. single day we have a new story. Right. In New York City, we, it was just announced that one third of kids in third grade can't read. Just can't read. I, every single day, there's a new story about the test scores. It's it's really shocking to to read and, and to see these graphs um, and how low that the scores have dropped. Um, and and also can, can consider the fact that they are already skewing the test low. So right. what what they deem as proficient is not proficient. It is not okay, and still kids are not hitting that benchmark. The the there was a Baltimore uh, test score announcement recently within the last year um, that there was no child in probably I think a dozen schools who even reached exceeding expectations. Wow. What do you think it's it'll take to turn this ship around? I mean, this is to me, it seems pretty close to like rock bottom here with all this. Um, you yeah. know, how can we move things forward from here? They have to take the arsonists out of the fire departments. Mm -hmm. They they have to recognize what happened and who is responsible because ultimately there's this conversation that like Emily Oster in the Atlantic sort of put forth and and I argued against it in Deseret um, that, you know, we all need to stop pointing fingers and move on. I agree if that didn't have value, but pointing fingers does have value because the people who were responsible for our response to COVID mm-hmm. are, are still in charge. And, you know, the, the guy, I have to look up his name. He, he was the uh, superintendent of the Alexandria, Virginia schools system. Uh, he has since moved on to American university and Maddie Google it while I'm talking. Cause yeah. I really do want to name check this guy. He has since moved on to American university where he is a professor of education. And so he's teaching future students how to be teachers. And the reason that they behave the way that they did over COVID is because the well-being of children is not the top priority. Mm -hmm. That is what we saw over COVID. They don't care enough about the the future of children and and this generation. And so why should we leave them in charge? Because they're going to continue to make decisions based on that original framework. Um, and the fact that we're not seeing five alarm fires, you know, fire, we're seeing five alarm fires, but we're not seeing the alarm bells go off and we're not seeing those alarm bells go off because they don't care. Right. Uh, his name is Gregory Hutchins. Thank you. And by BT dub, um, the, uh, the school newspaper that's run by students broke the story that his kid went to public over COVID or went to private. I'm sorry went to ah. private over COVID. He kept the public schools closed and the public school 
newspaper kids broke the story, which by the way, where was the media? Uh, the actual like adult media, uh, they broke the story that his kids were going to private. So, I mean, that, 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 that's sort of a, a cheeky solution that I've heard thrown around on the right. Like people who work in the public school system should have kids in the public schools. It should not be allowed that. Right. And that's sort of a, you know, I, I live in the Jewish community. And so 99% of people send their kids to the, to the private Jewish schools. Mm-hmm. And it's a taboo. If you work at Berman, it's not, it's, it's not looked upon well if you send your kids to JDS and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a taboo for a reason. You're, you're putting your money where your mouth is. And there is, there is nothing more, worth more than your child. And so if these administrators and school board members, I think the school board members should have kids in public schools. And it was funny, you know, I'm very outspoken about Montgomery County and everything that's going on here. And we just had an election last year. And, and a lot of people encouraged me to run for school board. First of all, I would never win because this is the craziest county in the world. But I don't think I have a place on the school board because I don't have I don't have my skin in the game. My kids are are, are homeschooled for a reason. Mm-hmm. I'm not sending my kids to these schools. Yeah. Um, you know, my mom was a, a school board member way back when. And it just seems like the issues today are so different. Um, still crazy, but different. But um what I wanted to say about Gregory Hutchins is I feel like that's such a pattern that's happening. For example, the mayor, Lori Lightfoot, is now like a professor at Harvard or something. Jacinda yeah. Ardern, the former prime minister of New Zealand, is now has maybe I'm getting I think she's also at Harvard. I don't know. But I just feel like, yeah, these these, you know, the golden parachute. Yes, exactly. Um, Alex, I don't know and if you there, want to jump in. Oh, I just want to say Newsom also sent his kids to um, in-person uh, private school. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think That's here right. um, there yeah. was a, a union leader at Berkeley uh, Unified School District who was sending his kid to in-person school <laughs> while yeah. demanding yeah. that the Berkeley schools stay closed. Yep. Yeah. And also, I mean, I, I like to pretend as though I live in an alternate reality in which people are um, consistent with their ideology. And I, I think... I'm not going to say I'm I'm good at it even, but I think I'm I'm better than a lot of people because I used to be a liberal, and so I can see that sort of mindset. And there were so many instances where I'm like, aren't you just kind of like racist and classist that you want to keep the public school kids locked away because you think they're dirty and you think they're like they're disease spreaders, um, and like the rich kids like they're not going to spread COVID, and you kind of. You see that like at, at a restaurant when like the servers are wearing the masks and like the patrons aren't. And it's because like, oh, well, the pores and they can spread disease. But us, us rich folks like Nancy Pelosi getting her haircut, like peak COVID. I'm like, well, <laughs> Nancy Pelosi can't spread COVID. Of course not, because she's like rich and powerful and white. And, you know, meanwhile... She was actually like super duper at risk and really should have taken some steps to protect yourself. But I mean, it really showed like how unserious a lot of them were. Like they weren't scared. We've reached the end of this episode of the free version of Publix Podcast. To access the full version, become a paying subscriber at public.substack.com.